Alan, please uh, stop referring to my actions as grabbing the tush of racism. Hello and welcome to the Downloadable Concept Podcast. It's the dark souls of drawing your own pornography, Fox Lee. Prepared a line for the other intro you told me you were doing, you vile betrayer. It's the Dark Souls of IndieGamer.com, Jeb Rich. I have nothing to say to that. I am so tired. A very special guest star, the Dark Souls of voice acting and let's play, Jekron. I cannot stop thinking about the genre Neo-80s Euro-Electro. <laughs> and I am the Dark Souls of beating gags into the ground, Talon Lee. <laughs> You're the Dark Souls of producage. The Dark Souls. No. By the way, I wasn't joking about that. That's an actual genre. I okay. When people tell me such and such is a music genre, I have no choice but to believe them because, yeah. from what I can tell, after careful observation, everything is well, a no, music he, genre. Here's the thing: it's a genre that only one song is in because uh, Beat Mania IIDX or like Two Decks or whatever. Uh, all of the songs uh, have the genre chosen by the artist. So you get such things as Hideki Naganuma, composer of such soundtracks as Jet, uh, Jet Set Radio, uh, Ollie Kane, and uh, Sonic Rush, doing uh, Neo 80s Hero Electro, and one other guy who I can't remember the name of doing Happy Sad Core. Hey, Fox, what have you been playing? Uh, I have been playing one thing. Yep. I have been playing Never Learn. I finally got myself a controller that is X-Input compatible. Because, uh, what is it, uh, X360C, whatever, the program to convert non-X input controllers to X input controllers hates certain Steam games. Or they hate it, one or the other. Anyway, um, surprisingly enough, it's playable when you have a working controller. <laughs> um, gosh, it's really pretty. Uh, it, it's a little problematic in the gameplay. I can see why people were about it. Um, it's really cool. <laughs> there is a certain plot, t- there is that certain plot twist that everyone who's been there knows about it, and everyone who hasn't been there, I cannot tell them about it because that would be wrong and bad. Um, which really pissed me off. Oh dear. Um, and the ending is very, it's very authentically folkloric. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what the hell just happened? Oh, that's okay. Well, I, okay, I guess that's how it turned out. I've glanced at your screen while you're playing it. It's freaking gorgeous. Yeah, I, I that's the uh, game about like the little Inuit character and uh, the wolf, right? It is, yes. And the little fox. Yeah, it's freaking beautiful. Yeah, I, you know, as soon as I saw this menu, I had to play it because I'm all about playing a little fox. Never would have guessed. Yeah, with, with um. <laughs> With, with the game in question, is now now you've finished it, is it approachable? Like, are we talking the kind of game that accidentally has definitely turned up too high, like a worry? Uh, no, it's it's got a couple of movement quirks, and the platforming is not super tight. Uh, it, actually, this might be less of a problem if you're using keyboard and mouse controllers. I found that occasionally the control sticks would flick the character in the opposite direction, so now and then I would accidentally walk off ledges. Uh. Um, and there is definitely the occasional bit where, because you have the two characters operating all the time, and there are occasional bits where the other character you're not playing will jump to their death, and you have to restart. Ooh. It only happened to me once or twice during the entire game. It's not as bad as people... In my experience, it wasn't as bad as people reported. Um, but and pretty good for a, a, like a first-time very studio. worthy game, and we need games about this kind of stuff. Like, we need games about any culture that's not, you know, 
vaguely Euro fantasy medieval, you know, we've done that. Okay, do something else. Or I suppose Asian culture is the other one that does show up a fair amount in video games. By the way, if if the, you were just discouraged from making Dragon's Dogma 2 by Fox's sentiment, <laughs> we'll accept that European fantasy. I'm just sitting here thinking about how I just said Asian culture, so if that's one thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was terrible of me. Several uh, highly populous Asian cultures also show up regularly in video games. The other ones get completely ignored, just like all See, the rest. I, there's three billion of them. There's a bit of culture I over never there. played... You see Japanese mythology, you see Chinese mythology, you you know, say your your South Asians are your Asian Pacifics, not so much. So I never actually played Dragon's Dogma, but I will happily accept Dragon's Dogma 2 coming out if there is another song by BZ. <laughs> <laughs> hey Jeb, what you been playing? Uh, well, I've been playing Diablo 3 all week, but that's boring. Uh, oh, no, 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 it's pretty interesting, actually. <laughs> I, I really do want to hear you talk about how Diablo 3 is better now. I really want to know. Actually, yeah, I haven't played it since... Well, I played it when it first came out, uh, and then I got sick of trying to play online with my friend who lived one suburb away, <laughs> uh, and getting lag death. So tell me how it's better. I, well, I never played it before, so I don't know how it was bad originally, but uh, it's, it's cliched and tropey, and it's great. <laughs> it's so straightforward, even its plot twists, it basically... It frames them perfectly for you. <laughs> so uh, early on, it's like, well, we haven't seen Tyrael in so many years. <laughs> By the way, a stranger, strange man just fell from the sky <laughs> into Tristram's Cathedral. <laughs> it would be almost yeah. self-aware. I, I, my, my favorite plot point from Diablo 3 from the bit I played is the bit where a guy says, Oh, my wife is sick. You have to go into the basement and kill her. And the player's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Jesus. I think it's heavily implied that she's a zombie. Oh, yeah, because you go down oh, there and she turns into a zombie in front of you, and then you have to kill her with the help of the butcher. But it doesn't change the fact that it does have this sort of, can you go into the basement and kill my wife for me? Okay, fine. <laughs> I don't have enough hatred to do that. <laughs> <laughs> the uh like i'm playing the uh, crusader class which i guess was added in the expansion and the the voice actor the voice direction seems to be kind of not sarcastic but very very self-aware <laughs> so when he goes to confront the 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 character that you know is going to be a boss monster with a big reveal he walks up to the walks up to him and says okay enough playing around let's do this <laughs> That, yeah, probably added in later. I remember it's, most of the characters playing it fairly straight, and the wizard being want... kind of snarky. It's a, it's, 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 a, a, it's a little I campy. I like it a lot. Are. Because like, it doesn't seem... Yeah, that's right. is uh, the male wizard, but that's it? Like, I don't know who plays anybody else other than that. Uh, the person who plays the, uh, plays the male crusader played uh, Fenris in Dragon Age 2. Oh, you you picked one of the voice actors. None of a playable... Oh, it, it was the, the, <laughs> the duck or the goose from Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's a really <laughs> prolific voice actor. Anyway, yeah, and he was um, the fellow you're saving the sewers from the barrel. Yeah. And, and, oh, uh, yeah. The... I can't even remember his name, that poor fucker. The real, the real voice acting thing that I'm stunned that I picked was when I watched Steven Universe, and I went, that's Nicki Minaj. Really? <laughs> I'm surprised she was being very subtle. Well, I mean, when she's talking about butts, butts, and more butts, I hear she's uh, a very intellectual woman who just happens to very much like butts. 
I know plenty of very intellectual women who are big into butts, so I am not about to dunk on any of that. So what else have you been playing, Jeb? You said uh, we, we kind of we kind of uh, <laughs> sidetracked you from what you clearly wanted to talk about. <laughs> yeah, well, I uh, picked up a bunch of games off the, the PSN sale. I started playing Tales of Graces F. That, I don't know that one. I assume it's part of the Tales, uh, well, franchise might be the wrong word. No, the Tales of series. Was, <laughs> yes. Like, semantics. The brand. Actually, yeah, franchise is the right word, because it is a, a brand. Yeah, because series would imply that it's just it? a bunch of, like, interconnected For the most part. Semantics! Yeah. And if they were totally separate RPGs, it wouldn't seem weird. <laughs> Um, I started playing it and played it for a few hours today, actually, and it's really pleasant. And it does a the the combat is actually much more involved than, for example, Symphonia, which makes it really hard to go back now to other JRPGs because <laughs> you have to. There's there's a dodge move, and <laughs> you have to. It's got some interesting mechanical choices that make the combat much more interesting. So, is it like a full on action RPG, or are we talking like a turn based action system? Uh, it's well, if you played a Tales game, you know what the combat system's base is. I I have only played one of the Tales series, oh. and it was the well, second basically, like, I assume I played that with the main character that everyone. That's the one where you find like the amnesiac girl with the uh, like the pigtails. Fair enough, yeah, but hear me out for a second here. Uh, <laughs> I played it like a Sonic Kart's a good game. Anyways, so I uh, <laughs> like. <laughs> I'm Sonic Karts is a great game. We need to have an episode where we talk about Sonic Karts. Yes. Is this Sonic Kart Racing Transformed? No, the second yes, best, the best kart Mario racing Kart game ever made. Came out. Okay, this is going to get trimmed out in the edit, because there's going to be something coming up later. Anyway. <laughs> well, I am a fan Mario of both. I will say <laughs> that Sonic Kart... I will fight them all. Sonic Kart is <laughs> great. will fight them all with his arms and legs. barely talks it. The only reason I regret putting Sonic Kart second is because you can play as a Dreamcast controller. That <laughs> you say Sonic Kart has yeah. better One music. One of the characters is a VMU. Their boat is just straight up a Dreamcast <laughs> controller. Their car form is the Hornet from Daytona USA, and their plane <laughs> form is an F fourteen like Bobcat or whatever because Afterburner. And then the PC version also has Football Manager, and every time his car transforms, <laughs> he gets enveloped in a giant soccer ball. Also, his license plate is M N G R. No, M four N G R. Sonic Kart's the best. God, it goes for like five bucks a whole ride. You should buy it. Play Sonic Kart. It was. It was also in the humble bundle. So if you were one kind of person who bought five copies of that bundle, so you can just throw. Also, it has like, like the best representation of Genset Radio it's franchise, so like which is the saddest sentence. That's because it's the only representation of the Jet. Well, I, uh, you've also got Sunset Overdrive, yep, which Sunset. follows in Jet Jet Set. I can uh, talk about Sunset Overdrive on length. Anyway. Let me tell you. So, uh, <laughs> yes. Well, Jeff, what you, else have Jeff, you been doing? <laughs> I was oh, right. still talking about Tales of Graces. <laughs> yeah, we just got completely off into the weeds there. It's cause, oh yeah, yeah, Sonic Cards is great. This is not going to be a clean edit. Just so, a warning, hey, nope. listener, if you're not having fun so far, turn off now. It's not going to get better. So hey, that fire. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Tune in, turn off, rock out. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Jeff, There's our episode title. <laughs> <laughs> what, 
What uh, what else would you want to say about Tales of Grace? Uh, well, it's yeah, Tales of Grace is F because it was originally a Wii game and then it got ported to the PS3, and I don't know what the F stands for, but like F F extended, I guess. <laughs> they just added to an F, added an F onto it. <laughs> Here, I'm on this podcast, so I can make up words, too. <laughs> <laughs> and there's our stinger. <laughs> it does continue the Tales series, uh, the Tales franchise's tradition of being somewhat suggestive in points. <laughs> somewhat suggestive, you say? Somewhat suge- suggestive. Go on. Very early on, the the childhood the, the the childhood friend girl character of the main characters says says and I quote, "You could try commanding me sometime." Or no, sorry, you could try giving me commands sometime. I I, I see. <laughs> this is when they're eleven. <laughs> I want the follow up to that be, "You could try, I'll kick your ass." <laughs> I know she says it to him. I know. That's what I was implying. You can try and command me, she says. Twenty years later, she's Ivy from Soul Calibur. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, so it's it's kind of got an undercurrent, a subtext, which, as we know, you can't spell without all the letters of the word butt sex. I'm just wondering why the all the letters of the word was in there. Yeah. Rearrange the letters of butt sex. And no, you no, subtext. I mean, wouldn't you just normally say you can't spell subtext without butt sex? <laughs> I'd just like to say there is... Other than that line, there's no subtext about it. Oh. <laughs> it's pretty overt in cases. And you said they're 11, yeah, right? <laughs> they're 11. Burn your hard drive and now. They grow up. <laughs> 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 they do, judging by the opening cutscene, grow up. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, think, I didn't play it too far in it. Like, I got kind of bored, and the PS3's not really mine here anyways, so I just kind of ended up like I'm getting rid of it. But like, uh I'm more than positive there's like seven year time skip or something. Yeah. Well the opening cutscene cutscene shows a bunch of grown up characters who all resemble the children that you start playing as They all vaguely resemble them as all anime characters change design every year. <laughs> it's that or they never, ever, ever change design or costume or anything. So, you know you you, you got a very extreme polarity there. <laughs> You could be playing Atelier with a character they tell you is 30 years old, looks like she's 14, because she's a girl! I, that was very strange, yes. Alternatively, you could not yeah. watch Atelier. I'm really glad Thraya actually looks like a grown up. No, no, not, uh, not Hitalia, Atelier. Atelier. The, uh, alchemy. On that note, please do not watch Atelier. Really interesting. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's kind of racist. Uh, kind of is a little, uh, understating things. Coming soon, the new hit title, Atelier Hitalia. Coming soon to theaters. <laughs> Alchemy and racism in a non-punitive JRPG. Like, I just want to remind you here real quick that, like, the first season of Hitalia is about Germany and why they didn't win the war, but also portraying them as, like, really cool guys during World War II. Jet Grind, what have you been playing lately? Are you implying I play video games? How dare you, yeah. my father was killed by a video game. <laughs> Fight me, nerd. <laughs> Fine, I will fly to Australia just so I can get punched in the face. (laughs) (laughs) And then a tree will explode. Uh, Alright, so what not video games have you not been not playing, you not nerd? Uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, I got Killing Floor 2, like, the 
day it came out. But I've kind of been busy at work recently with, like, closing shifts, so I haven't had as much time as I'd like to play things. Aww. So it's like, I've, I'll play the occasional Killing Floor 2, uh, or, like, Lethal League. By the way, Lethal League is, like, the most hype game. <laughs> well, uh, Killing Floor is basically a mod that grew up and broke out in the wild, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it was original mod just for, like, Unreal Tournament, I think, because everything was a mod of Unreal Tournament, like, a decade ago. <laughs> well, I'm a mod of Unreal Tournament. Holy shit, are they still releasing new games that started off as mods of Unreal Tournament? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And then, well, uh, I mean, the, the engine is used for pretty much everything now. The, yeah, the the engine is at this point where I think it's something like twenty percent of all video games are an Unreal Engine. Yet. Yeah, yeah. I, I just thought that all the used to be mods had been released by now. We're gonna run out eventually, don't we? Man, I can't wait until Batman Arkham <laughs> Tournament comes out. Wait, well, that would be awesome. <laughs> no, wait. They already made that. That's just the multiplayer of Arkham Origins. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, what about, uh, Killing Floor is really appealing to you? Is it, uh, what type of gameplay is it? So, uh, Killing Floor 2 is... It's a game about non-violent communication? Uh, Killing Floor 2 is a game where you shoot things, and those things go kaboom, <laughs> and then there's blood everywhere, oh my god, it's, it's on the carpet, Deborah, fix that, ah! Uh! <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you fight I... a Nazi, and you kill him, and then you throw buddy on top of his dead body and then everything buddy celebrates and it's great <laughs> so basically what you're saying is killing because killing floor two is video games <laughs> killing floor one was notable for being incredibly british in a lot of ways because uh like you had pounds or euros i can never remember which is which but like you had the money but they only ever referred to it as dosh and then there was a buddy button that you could hit so you could throw 50 dosh at your uh, teammates if you so in- were so inclined or they needed money and you had money to spare sort of thing. And Killing Floor 2... Okay, so get ready for me to use the word dosh a couple more times because uh, it is a very essential thing. So, in Killing Floor 2, it's pretty much the same game, it just looks better. And, uh, like, they've got a bunch of new stuff. Like, I think that's one of the main selling points. It's just killing floor. But it looks nicer. <laughs> so, pretty much. But they made a couple of nice little changes to it. Like, the fact that you now have a sprint button instead of having to pull out your, uh, like, melee weapon. Like, it's some CSGO bullshit. Um, and I'm trying to okay. think of a couple of other things. Oh, right. The money, since they're now in Paris, got changed from, uh, pounds to not whatever money they use in Paris, but rather dosh. <laughs> like, the money is just straight <laughs> up dosh now. The sign for it is, is a D with two lines going through it. Ah, <laughs> uh, finally dosh coin. <laughs> the, the buddy uh, in the first game, it would kind of slide across the ground, but then it would just stay there. And if you just threw a bunch of it, like, it would just stay in one pile, like, unchanging sort of thing. <laughs> and Killing Floor 2, the money has physics. So you can... 
you can <laughs> trickshot Dosh off a wall to your, uh, like, your buddies if they absolutely need it. Or you can, like, aim slightly upwards and just kind of trickshot from, like, above if they're really far away. But then also, this brings up why, uh, when you kill the boss at the end, who is, like, I'm not shooting you here, a 100-year-old Nazi who has extended his life via, like, zombie technology, uh, you just run up to his dead body before you are locked in place, and you spam the money button. Because then you just have all of this money with physics just on top of this dead Nazi. Here, let me just end off with this then real quick. Mortal Kombat X is great. Uh, Lethal League again, still very hyped. All should buy it. And uh, Sunset Overdrive is like the best game nobody has ever played. You should all play it. <laughs> Still have picked that. it up yet. And then we should play Chaos Squad. And we will go around firing our flaming <laughs> shotguns with balls on the side. <coughs> because I had well, important play Sunset Overdrive, they can release I, it on PC. I had important things to buy this month. I thought they'd do that. Yeah, I do want to play it. I love it. Really but uh, like, I want to point out here real quick. The first weapon you get five minutes into the game is a long like shotgun with balls welded on the side called the Flaming Compensator. If that does not sell you on the humor <laughs> of the game, I don't know what will. Also, whenever you start the game up for like the first time, uh, the main character, like the camera's really zoomed in on them, and then they'll turn around, notice it, and then punch the camera back to where it normally is, and you just kind of go along with your day. Listener, you might have noticed we have a guest today. No, what? I've been here the whole time. This is... I, I, I'm just not speaking. This is... Just really quiet. Yeah. Has the listener informed us of their name yet? No, we, we still don't have your name, listener. Oh, we really would appreciate it. We do right. love you, listener. Thank you very much right. for listening. Thank you for being here. I refer listener. to the listener as Deborah. <laughs> if if okay. you want to. But uh, whatever whatever name the listener chooses, we want to respect that. So Jack Grind here is what we in the fan producer community refers to as a dork. Um, someone who really likes a subject and is very enthusiastic about that subject. Specifically, Jackrai is big on music. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. I don't know what would have tipped you off, though. Maybe it yeah. might have been the part where I opened up talking about music genres. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably a good start. Yeah, uh, so so Jackrai, you are big into music, big into video games. We want you to just talk about some game music that really you know, matters to you, that you think is worth talking about. Basically, the purpose of this podcast is to give people spaces to talk about things they love in the realm of video games, and we'd love to hear you just talk for a bit about some music in games you really care about. Okay, so let me just uh, start this off with the most obvious one. With, like, you know what my uh, screen handle whatever is uh, referencing, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we owned a Dreamcast. Fun Arable fact. Supersonic on the, on the Sega Genesis. Fun fact, I had never played a Jet Set Radio game when I had chosen the name. <laughs> the reason I chose it was uh, a mixture of me listening to the soundtrack on loop forever, because Hideki Naganuma <laughs> is, like, the best, and uh, me talking with one of my online buddies, Wafo, who will never hear this, so he will never know that I just gave him a shout-out, so woohoo. But uh, I was He's talking with listen. him, and uh, there was one point in time where I was yelling at him about how stupid of a name Jet Grind Radio was, but then I realized that if you took the space out of Jet Grind and also removed the word radio, it sounded kind of cool, so I just went with it. <laughs> Jet Grind Radio is still a terrible title, though. 
But yeah, like, uh, Hideki Naganuma's, uh, work in general is probably, like, some of my favorites, because I can't really um, think of anything bad he's ever done. Uh, can you help, help the listener name some of those games? Uh, both Jet Set Radio games, uh, Aldi King, which is this really obscure, uh, arcade game that's, like, downhill jam racing type thing, but, like, actually uh, on a skateboard peripheral. I think Sega cool. only made, like, 300 cabinets of it, though, is why it's so, like, underknown. <laughs> but, uh, the music for it is incredibly Naganuma style, uh, like, I always, like, if I had to choose any one song from it to recommend, it would probably be, uh, Let It Go, which is, like, this weird, funky hip-hop, like, 60s disco pop song. <laughs> but, uh, also, like, uh, there's two tracks on there where one is, uh, remixing a song from Jet Set Radio Future that's, like, done in a disco style, and then one is, uh, the concept of passion, which is just a remix of the concept of love, which I think a lot of people know. Because if, like, when you think of Jet Set Radio, like, a lot of people, if they ever even turned on Future at any point, or, like, seen anything with Future in it, odds are you probably know the vocal state of understand, understand the concept of love. Like, because that just plays on the main menu. Yeah. So, like, very prolific. Uh, he also did the soundtrack to Sonic Rush on the DS, which is probably one of the more interesting DS soundtracks, because a lot of it's, like, very obvious, like, uh, MIDI samples sort of thing. But then also, like, it, he managed to actually, like, compress and throw in, like, certain samples. So, uh, one song on there, what you need is really heavy bass line, but then you get, like, 20 seconds in and it starts playing, feeling hot, 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 like, over and over and over for, like, three minutes. <laughs> Yeah, like <laughs> so, so. So he's responsible for for the this sort of the the Sega iconic funk yeah, sound. Like if you've played any like funky Sega game with like weird samples throughout the whole thing, odds are Naganuma had something to do with it. Like Funky Dealer is like as it suggests a really funky song, but all of the vocals are done via sampling like this random like sample CD that just happened to have a, some dude reading off a variety of like poker terms. <laughs> that that uh yeah, that's very odd. Like, uh, pr- pretend you're talking to someone who was raised by Puritans, and therefore a lot of rock music doesn't really. <laughs> Uh, I don't have the common language for this kind of stuff. Um, th- this is fairly typical. This this isn't um, out of the ordinary style. It's just that this guy has this very distinct style of way he does video game soundtracks. And do you find this enhances those games themselves? Uh, do, you, do do they make you feel? Oh like yeah, you're uh, that like game? Uh, having actually finally played uh, Jet Set Radio when the HD version came out, and having played Sonic Rush, like I cannot imagine either of those games without like the soundtrack for them because. Uh, uh, like, in Jet Set Radio, all of the music is specifically, like, DJs where it, uh, like, transitions between all of the tracks. But then also, all of the tracks made by Naganuma are, like, specifically designed to fit in this world in various different ways. So, like, it, it, it's weird it also because his music, do- like, I, I can't think of a single genre that it fits in because it's really funky. But then he's also got, like, the Fat Boy Slim or, like, the Chemical Brothers thing going on where he uses, like, very interesting samples to make, like, Big Beat-style stuff. But, it, but like, really distinct right, like, musical samples. Right? Uh, like, like, not actual snatches of music like you get in a typical, like, a hip-hop remix, but uh, hip-hop sampling, but actually 
crazy. Well, on occasion, he does use actual music, like uh, in Sonic Rush, like I mentioned, what you need uses the Hot 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 sample from Arrow, or uh, I can't remember the artist of it, but there's a song called Donnie used, uh, where like, the original song is just a whole bunch of, like, a dude going da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da in, like, various different rhythms, uh, for over, like, the Dean, uh, techno gabber track, but, uh, Nagaduma just kind of sampled that, and then made it into a completely different, uh, rhythm that isn't even in the original song, and then also stuck, like, a bunch of circus instruments <laughs> into his funk song for it, and then he just was like, yeah, this is good, here's Ethno Circus. And then, like, one of the boss themes has a sample from a Looney Tunes cartoon, where, uh... Okay. So, so there's a very clear uh, depiction of a wide variety of yeah. cultural... And then, movies. the final boss music for Sonic Rush, uh, Wrapped in Black, features a sample from, uh, Public Enemy, I believe, doing the, uh, titular, uh, Wrapped in Black sample. Yeah. Really? Pretty certain that's Public Enemy, that's what I heard. Uh, and then, uh, the main, like, violin rhythm going throughout that entire song is actually just ripped straight out of a Saturn RPG nobody ever played called Grandia. And then, uh, yeah. yeah. Grandia? Grandia, maybe? Did you say know. Grandia? Grandia is great. Yeah, Gra- Grandia is not... I, I would not. I would be very surprised to hear Grandia described as an obscure game nobody played, because I'm reasonably certain that if I mentioned it on my Twitter account right now, I would get a dozen... Well then, go do saying, that oh and God, prove me wrong. <laughs> I had two different friends. But, uh... Anyway, go on. I had two different friends. I am on my way. Because it was so great and I had to play it two different times and both copies were too old to work on my version of Windows. I'm not thinking something different because, like, I'm pretty certain it was a Saturn exclusive. But, uh... Oh, this was a remake. But yeah, like, he sampled or just, like, straight up ripped out uh, a rhythm from one of the tracks in there, like, Snow Village something or another. And then, uh... They're, like, during most of the song, there's just this repeating sample saying, too black, too song. And uh, a couple months after Sonic Rush came out, somebody realized where that came from. That sample is Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, that is kind of impressive. That, that is not a name I would associate well, with. Well, now you can. You're welcome. Yeah. Hell, yeah, yeah, it is Grandia, by the way. Yeah, uh, like, wow. he's very into using, like, various different samples, and from various different places. Like, he's u- sampled himself on occasion, where he's just gone, like, these guitars aren't crunchy enough, I'm just going to yell into this microphone in a rhythm, and then I'm going to distort that so I can make these even crunchier. And then also, like... Huh. Nice. Oh. So the way... Uh, I was gonna say, like... Also, like, um, due to the samples, like, not being, like, normally musical, it's more of a thing where he'll just sample all of these different rhythms and, like, ways people are saying things and chop them up so that, like, there are, there's no such thing as a coherent lyrics in a Naganuma song unless he's actually remixing something else. Because that's not his goal. His goal instead is to take all of these different, like, soundscapes, put them together into a rhythm, and basically just uses, like, lyric or vocals as a different instrument rather than, uh, instrument that's also trying to tell the story. So, like, I can go on and on and on and on and on about Naganuma forever, but, like, <laughs> dude, dude's great. Love him. <coughs> He's also got Heck, yeah, right, 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 right Twitter account where he talks no, about bad. why calling everybody in Japan that's a new senpai is bad, and then also occasionally he posts Jet Set Radio based memes and then makes fun of people for telling like sending them to him. 
So, he, he's a, a potentially off the wall. Yes. Beatmania, uh, IIDX or 2DX, whatever, uh, 20 Tricoro has a song by him called Love Can Save You. It's probably the closest thing that he'll ever make to a song with lyrics, because he sampled, like, an actual, like, just acapella track off, uh, like, some sample CD he had, I guess. But then also, like, he kind of went out of the way to make it weird, because, like, I'm not entirely certain, in, like... He definitely understands English, I just don't know if he has a very good grasp on it most of the time. Because, like, the vocal stain of Love Could Save You is the guy shouting cool bed. And according to him, the phrase cool bed means yearning for a lover. <laughs> because, like, the bed is cold, I guess. But then yeah. also the lyrics of the song are constantly going like, Do you think love could save you? I'm not a part of your stupid game. Like... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and were there other composers who have this similar, you know, oh, I'm trying to think of other composers that, this that uh, are good. Like, I have a whole list. Like, Yuzo Koshiro is pretty good, but I, like, I mostly just kind of know him for Streets of Rage because I don't know how he managed to do half that shit on, like, the Genesis, okay. but, or sorry, the Mega Drive. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, we're foreign. I appreciate that. We're foreign. It's okay. Um, you, you've um, you talk a lot about the soundtrack. You know, basically, you have this idea of the auteur soundtrack. Um, are you familiar at all with the game Owen Dunn? Oh man, am I ever! Elite Beat Agents. I think I almost broke my original DS playing <laughs> Elite Beat Agents. <laughs> so I uh, I I actually broke uh, oh, I wore the tip of a stylus to a sharp. <laughs> Point and wound up scratching. Oh yeah, that, like Elite Beat Agents yeah. was weird because the soundtrack. Like when you go to the Owen Dong games, like those are infinitely better soundtracks. Like they have uh, Thrill in Bambita by uh, Tomoyasu Hote, who is a fantastic guitarist, mm -hmm. uh, kind of a flawed vocalist, mm -hmm. but still definitely worth listening to. Uh, and then like probably most of our listeners. Yes, would uh, he's the guy who made Battle Without Honor. Um, uh, Battle so. Without, yeah. Which is at this point almost a tired yeah. musical. I theme. bought that song in Rocksmith. That's how good it is. I nice. Well, um, with with Owen Darn versus EBA. I mean, EBA is ultimately a jukebox cover style game, and it is it is trying to navigate a much more murky set of copyright laws. But some of the Owen Darn games are covers as well. Yeah, but uh, the the rules on making covers in Japan or Japanese, there is um, a complicated nest of ah. companies and media outlets that make some things kind of okay and some things kind of not. Whereas in EBA, they really had to kind of skirt around uh, the various covers and licensing and royalties that they were allowed to get, which mean, which is why you have the selection of songs you have on, uh, on Elite Beat Agents. Uh, it's got YMCA on it because the village people's stance on, uh, on covers of their songs is basically a vending machine. <laughs> Like, you you want a license for how many how many uh, copies of this game? Okay, just stick the joint, stick your small there change are in. Actually, really interesting laws about covering. Yeah, like the music industry has its own really distinct copyright. Laws. Yeah, a lot of which have faded uh, from memory for me now because I studied them a long time ago. But I somewhere in my eclectic life, I did in fact pick up qualifications. Yeah, that's like a, oh. yeah, it's weird. But, yeah, like uh, uh, yeah. 
covering them was very interesting. It probably also helps that the like the village people only have two melodies. Like uh, I think covering <laughs> is in this weird point of copyright law where it's cheaper to license the song and then find some band on like the middle of. Or, like on the corner of the street and get them to record the cover for you than it is to actually <laughs> license said song. Yeah, yeah, pretty mm-hmm. much. Well, especially yeah, for popular songs. Alipia Agent came out in what, 2008? And it had Skater Boy by Avril Lavigne on it? <laughs> I'll go you one better. It had Lala by Ashley Simpson. That's after Ashley Simpson had been caught yeah, lip syncing, like, was basically persona non Also, also. Which is hilarious in its own right. It is very funny. Can I just say real quick, too? I love that Mala is in Elite Beat Agents because it means Nintendo has like pushed a game out that they had some involvement with, where one of the songs in the game is about incredibly raunchy sex. (laughs) Well, it's about what an incredibly chaste person thinks incredibly raunchy sex sounds like. (laughs) Like, yeah, if you can't say the word fuck, chances are you're not really fucking. Man, I have this real thing about cutesy. Oh, I don't know if you've heard La La anytime soon. Like, but, um, the fact that they don't done. swear in there, like, that song is, like, very vivid. <laughs> and then also you play, like, yeah, yeah. the character you help in that mission I, I is a sexy suffer. nurse. <laughs> I maintain that La La is written... I do maintain that as a person who has dealt with this stuff in the past, La La <laughs> is very much raunchy sex written by someone who doesn't know about raunchy but, sex. It, it, no, no, no. See, it is raunchy sex because the word raunchy perfectly contextualizes that. They're not doing anything <laughs> weird. They're just being extremely unsubtle about it. Uh, as far as other differences between Owen oh, and and agents, the difficulty curve. <laughs> Uh, the the last song in uh, the easiest difficulty of Elite Beat Agents is Jumpin' Jack Flash. Side note, Jeb, this is a game where you destroy alien invasions with Jumpin' Jack Flash. And so why know, haven't I played this? Because the <laughs> song you have to play before Jumpin' Jack Flash is a song by Hoobastank. <laughs> it's, a, oh. it's a song by Hoobastank that isn't the reason, so well, no one yeah, knew it was a Hoobastank song. <laughs> To its credit, it's not the reason. Also, most of the cover bands, you know about the Ocean Group, right? Oh god, do I ever. The the Ocean Group is basically one massive coalition of voice actors based out of Canada. Right, yes. They're they're the reason why dubbing has that very distinct sound it does, because the Ocean Group were the ones who were willing to do it. Um, And now everyone's emulating Ocean Group. Uh, The bands in EBA, who are doing most of the covers, are, for the most part, Ocean Group alumni. Great. <laughs> I just assumed it was, it was basically all session musicians. Just, you know, hey, get you, know, you sing, you play, whatever, get you in here, cover this song, okay, bye. Here's money. Yeah, pretty much. They're, they're kind of soulless, but at the same time, kind of wonderful. Uh, because they wanted <laughs> well, Jack, Jack Flash to be harder, they made it an up-tempo version, and it's really good. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Hearing hearing that up-tempo always makes me disappointed with the original now. Like, obviously it's a better performance, the original, because it's not, you yeah. know, a cheesy cover for a video game, but you know, it just wants to be faster. It's got it's got twang. It's almost a country song, the way that the Rolling Stones perform it. Yeah, that's fair. Well, that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of what rock and roll was in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the first song in Owen Don has the same number of beats. <laughs> yeah, and then the final song in the first Owen Dawn is the theme song to Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> that the seven-minute-long version of it. <laughs> Wait, I don't remember it being that long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so long. Oh, it can't be that long. 
it's real hard, I'll tell you that. No, right. It's, it's probably not as long as you remember. Like, a second is a lot longer than people think it is in terms of action games. But also, like, uh, I think a lot of the length in the original Owen Dawn comes from the fact that, like, people who played it, at least over here, were probably used to Elite Beat Agents first, where you could skip the intro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On that note, by the way, excellent game to import, because you, there's virtually no reading necessary to play the game and enjoy it completely. Oh yeah, yeah. the sequel's yeah. even better. Like, yeah. <laughs> but what if I want go- Goofy Pop covers? Well then you buy well, them. Then, oh, get EVA as well, definitely. Get both, get all <laughs> Elite Beat Agents price. is great, because you play as a bunch of government agents who, instead of doing anything useful, go around and dance in front of babysitters until they could throw a baby at a football guy so hard that they go out on a date. Imagine if wait, that wait. is absolutely a thing that happens. That is not a joke. Jet grind is not pulling your leg. <laughs> so this is this is Jeb Wrench Simula- This is Jeb Wrench Simulator 2015. No, that's the first Jeb, Jeb, level of the game. The, the the difficulty levels are determined by the key agent you have. The easiest level of it, the the way that the game is the easiest, is when you have the black guy. The black guy apparently can dance just fine without your help. Right. <laughs> Next step up, you have a slightly slim white guy. He's a little harder. But then you get the hardest difficulty that you get in the normal game. In which case, he's a towering Texan with a long flowing black mullet and a giant handlebar mustache. And then you get to... Oh god, it probably is a mullet under that hat, isn't it? Oh yes, And then it you is. get to the hardest difficulty, which I kid you not, is called Hard Rock, and you play as a bunch of cheerleaders. Oh, it gets worse though, because there's a yeah, step above that. It works until you get to the cheerleaders. Women are held to higher standards. <laughs> Their markers are smaller, and they appear later. They appear later, and, and the, the circles are, like, that close in on the notes are faster. And then also, all of the oh, notes yeah. charts are the same as like hard mode, except they're flipped upside down. And there is an extra step of difficulty above this, where you play Commander Khan trying to emulate the cheerleaders. In which case, you have <laughs> an old white dude with silver hair... Sometimes wearing a cat mask. I was gonna say, consider- no, no, he's wearing a full costume, remember? Sometimes. You've got these different modes. Sometimes. You can, unlock, okay. you can unlock a cat mask. He wears a cat mask. I was saying dancing in the full cat mascot costume would definitely be harder than anything done in the previous steps. The point is that Elite Beat Agents is a fantastic game, considering how cheap it was to make and how <laughs> dodgy everything about also, it is. Also, man. Yeah, I am definitely saying. There's a, a level in that game where you dance to help a pug get home after his, like, owner accidentally leaves him at, like, a gas station and the music is Highway Star by Deep Purple. (laughs) There's an episode, which is a zombie apocalypse, where you are a trucker with peanut butter killing peanut allergic zombies. No, 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 no. (laughs) To Beyonce's survival. No, 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 no. It's not. You are a trucker who makes weapons that shoot peanuts because he can't laugh, and the peanuts make people stop laughing because of how awful they are, and all of the zombies are laughing monsters, so you're constantly shooting peanuts into the zombies' faces while dancing to the tune of Survivor by Destiny's Child. And the game's visuals are a doom ripoff. It has the health bar <laughs> and the peanut bar oh, and yeah, the monsters moving. It is an amazing game. And then... If you find... <laughs> Elite Beat Agents oh, is, is at the point where we are now, it'll probably be in that annoying pre-ordered... Oh, sorry, pre-used, slightly expensive range. But if you see it cheap, it's really But, like, good. also, like... I don't know. 
know. I think EBA was fairly well distributed. Uh, you should be able to pick it up on eBay relatively cheap. I know you can pick Owen Don and Owen All Don. All of the Owen Don slash uh, considerably EBA less games than they too are fantastic in that they all have like this weird tearjerker episode. And in uh, the original Owen Don, yeah. it's like you're oh, a yeah. ghost. Who, like, ghost god is like, hey man, can I just, like, go hang out with my girl for, like, one more night? And so you're just dancing to help this ghost, like, screw around with various hawks to make hearts. And then the girl goes in front of a mirror and they hug and it's great and he goes to heaven and everything's great. And then in Owen Dawn 2, you play as this girl whose sister, like, passed away, and she was a figure skater. So, uh, the girl decides to take, uh, the hobby in order to honor her sister's memory. And then, like, you dance to help her out, and eventually she goes on to be, like, Olympic gold medalist. And, like, at the end, you see, like, her sister's ghost, like, clapping for her. So... The Elite Beat Agents one is... Uh, uh, I was gonna say, ahead. like... I was, I was gonna say, uh... Well, the, the, the Elite yeah. Beat Agents one is... Even more twisted. Yeah, it's actually more over the top than either of the Japanese ones. It, it's, it's even more schmaltzy, because in this one, it's a little girl whose dad has passed away on the way home from work. And it follows, like, a year in the life of this little girl as she keeps on waiting for daddy to come home. And you are helping the ghost make little signs and help the little girl no, Get it's not even that the ghost it. is there. It's Which like is, birthday or something. Yeah, you're dancing to help the mom and yeah, the daughter, cake. like, just kind of celebrate Christmas. And then at the end of the song, like, the dad shows up, and if you get the good ending, then he leaves a teddy bear on the seat, because, or, like, the step of the house, because that's what he went to buy her before he passed away. If you fail... Yeah, yeah. Well, that's right. He, like, died Here's going the and thing, getting though. a present for If you fail, you yeah. get a shot. Here's the thing, though. Go, go, go. All the Owen Don and Leaping Agents things, like, if you fail, they kind of go out of the way to make you feel bad for failing. Like, in the zombie one, the dude turns into a laughing zombie. <laughs> in the casino one, where you stop a bunch of robbers, like, you see your characters tied up and they're, like, really helpless. Or, like, the aliens take over the world. In, uh... The Christmas episode in Elite Beat Agents, you see the little girl who is now 16 years old, and she's still staring at pictures of her dad. Because, like, yeah. Yeah, she's not over it. Um, the, the, other, the other part of this, the, the thing that, that wraps this whole thing into a bow, is for a start, it's down-tempo compared to all the other songs. And it's, you're the reason. You're the inspiration. Sorry, you're and the then inspiration also, too, like, most of the time, like, in Owen Dawn or Elite Beat Age, it's like, whenever you hit markers, like, it makes, like, this really loud, like, clapping noise, and whenever you finish, they go, like, OS oh, or yeah. hi, like or, symbols. like, whatever sound sort of thing. You're probably gonna have to lower the volume on that. But, like, yeah. uh, they make, like, these really loud sounds, but in all <laughs> the really, like, down-tempo, like, downer songs, like, they're all replaced with, like, these really, like, subtle chimes that go along with, this, like, the tune of the song, and it's like, oh, yeah. that, this is really <laughs> sad, but also really fun. And then you help... Well, you're awfully glad they changed that. Yeah, it would ruin the tone. Because would not have worked. <laughs> alright, alright. So... There is some talk about some really good music and games and some really good rhythm games. Just for the record, I'm actually currently, <laughs> at this very moment, buying Elite Beat Agents on eBay. Which <laughs> uh, nice. doesn't go for these days. If you don't it's ten carry. bucks with shipping. Excellent. Also, uh, I just want to point out before we leave Beautiful. this topic, Oregon yeah. 2 has Popstar by Ken... No, I don't think 
that's the right name. But it has this one song called Pop... Yeah, Ken Here I. Here I? Uh, it has Pop Star by yeah. that guy. Yeah. And the scenario in that is you're trying to be, like, the greatest hairdresser in the world. So you... No, wait. You're trying to be a good doctor. So you help people out. And then somebody brings in a microwave. So you have to help the microwave. And then somebody brings in a horse. <laughs> and you have to help the horse. Um, also, That's for wonderful. for anyone who wants the EBA experience but doesn't uh, have access to a DS or the money, there is a fan modding community that makes online playable with your mouse Sweet. EBAs. And I have seen uh, a number of Phoenix Wright remixes <laughs> where the case is restructured as an Elite Beat Agents level. It's, it's a really <laughs> interesting thing. That's wonderful. If you're a big music dork and you want to make a rhythm game, that's a really like good place to start yeah. getting the feel. I think I've brought this up before on the show, but I want to see more games that have... more genres that have boring gameplay use rhythm games as the gameplay sections and just slide that into the story, like playing theater rhythm made me think, hey, wouldn't it be great if JRPGs just add rhythm combat oh. for the, the combat? I would have more fun doing uh, that. Rhythm games like, are choices. the best, and I'm kind of sad that I'm kind of blanking out on some of the more interesting ones recently, or like right now. Because, like, I can think of a variety of games that have rad music. Like, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance would be nothing if you turn the music off. And I can't believe there are people who hate the music in that game. <laughs> what? what? No, like, no, I, no. I those people are this. broken human beings. I will not accept this. <laughs> and it's unfortunate we need to, like, start a fund to save them, but, like... <laughs> I still much. remember... I still remember when uh, a certain uh, uh, well-known... Uh, Australian British game critic referred to the soundtrack of Metal Gear Rising Revengeance as as cheesy J pop. <laughs> also I'm a yeah, couple years behind on this one. <laughs> it's one of those wrongs that's a technical correct that is absolutely meaninglessly wrong in every way. Well, you know, yeah. I I don't uh disregard him as a critic, but I don't listen to what he has to say about anime stuff, basically. Also, like, it's I, not I uh, about uh, game music, but I do have two real quick music things uh, where it's like, hey, you know who's a cool, or who was, is, whatever, a uh, cool Australian group that makes music? The Avalanches. The Cat Empire. The Avalanches yes. are pretty good, but the Cat uh, Empire are better. I don't but the avalanches are made of yeah, uh, or like a two-man group or one man now. I guess if they're still doing anything, I don't know. They might be, they might not. It's a will they, won't they thing at this point after 15 years. But in the year 2000, uh, out of nowhere, they really like they originally started out as this grunge pop style like punk band sort of thing. And then in the year 2000, after like stop, they stopped existing basically. Like they were kind of famous on uh, Australian TV in like 1998 for a while and then they just kind of dropped off the face of the earth. And then in the year 2000, they dropped a record. Instead of being, like, this pop-punk album, it was instead this, like, dance, uh, hip-hop, <laughs> electronic <laughs> stuff made entirely out of over three or 3,000 samples. And it's... Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of your psychiatrist. It's so good. <laughs> Listener... Yeah. Listener, if you're not familiar with Frontier Psychiatrist, go look up the music video right now. If you're not well, familiar I promise with you won't the be entirety of Since I Left I, um, I don't just go game. listen to that. Also, if you're looking for another good Australian musician, go mm -hmm. to And then I had... Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, Gertz is quite good. He got very big in the which United States shame. with um somebody that I used to know, which that is, is basically one of his song. decent songs. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the only thing that ever became. That is his worst song. It's a huge discography. He also has a discography that spreads across dozens of different things. He's clearly one of those guys. Yeah, and he has like a regular rock band because he likes doing that. But for his like just solo stuff, like he kind of goes all over the place, and it's great. I love it. I love everything about Gautier's work. When is he making another album? And then I just had one more like weird music fact. Yeah, Uh, the the Cat Empire are uh, probably. it's oh, really go on then. Yeah, the Cat Empire represent probably the best band, like classical, grab instruments, stand in a live environment, play stuff kind of band. Right. They are probably the best Australian band that exists right now. Um, you could maybe make a case that Jet if you like that really, uh, you know, Rolling Stones style sound. kind of slick. Yeah, if you like the slicker rock style, you could maybe make a case that Jet... The Cat are Empire are a good. lot more interesting, but the, Jet are more or less popular. Yeah, but the Cat Empire are... Like, you look at their Wikipedia page and it tries to give you the genre of music <laughs> they play, and it literally says things like, they are a hip-hop, ska, punk, pop, classical, jazz, swing... Samba. Samba. Yeah. It's, it's this list of things yeah. that they do, and, and they are one of the most authentic sounding Australian bands. You get a lot of Australian bands that are very much trying to either play up their Australianness or pretend to be American. And the Cat Empire are one of the only ones I've heard who really just sound like normal Australian people who happen to be in a band. They also mix up two vocalists who work very well together. Yes. Because one of them's very raw and one of them's very sort of, you know, cool, sexy gay. Yeah. Yeah. They have they have the hot vocalist and they have a loser vocalist and the loser vocalist does these amazing songs. About I believe being bands kind of have two different vocalists. Like System of a Down, whenever they did that on occasion, was really good. Where uh, Serge yeah. or Serge, I don't know, has like uh, his really deep voice, but then uh, Darren has like the kind of higher register, and they would kind of harmonize together. Like, I'm not super into System of Down, but I did really like uh, the couple of songs yeah. where they did that that I heard. But my one other, like, uh, off-topic music fact real quick is, uh, are all of you uh, familiar with Lenny Kravitz? <laughs> Maker. Uh... Mm-hmm. Yes. I actually found that some of my favorite songs growing up were by him. I thought they were so much older. And then I'm like, oh, this was Lenny Kravitz in, like, 1995. He's basically yeah. the best 1970s But uh on one of his earlier albums he has a song called Rock and Roll is Dead <laughs> about how uh like death metal and screamo was becoming more of a thing and how like nobody really had he didn't think anybody had talent because everybody yeah. was just kind of thrashing on a guitar and it sounded all like it, if it sounded all right it worked I guess and then nobody could sing because metal was becoming a thing, so they were like, oh, we could just shout into this microphone and people buy it. So he was going, well, rock and roll's dying, and this sucks, like, electronics getting big, like, the guitar is dying, nobody's using it anymore. Anyways, fast forward a couple of years, like 2011 or so, uh, I can't remember her name, Ira Mitsuki, maybe? I don't, again, I'm bad with some people's names when I don't really know their whole discography, but, uh, this one lady decided to do a J-pop version where it's a dubstep <laughs> cover, and then all she does is shout into the microphone while also repeating word-for-word <laughs> word these lyrics about how rock and roll is dead because people are just shouting into microphones. 
Um, uh, there's an Australian band called Tism who. Uh, I knew you were gonna bring this up. Yeah, I won't get into a long talk about Tism because I I really like Tism. Just give me a link. Just say look it up. Last Aussie Guitar Hero. Yeah, they they well they had an album which came out during the peak of Fatboy Slim's popularity in Australia, in which they had I um a song called Fatboy Slim Dusty. Slim Dusty being a fairly important Australian country singer, and it was it was a literal formulaic copy of a Fatboy Slim song structure, and the sample was Tism singing in falsetto, techno is crap. <laughs> Uh, and after a year or two passed, they had another album in which the next, the thing on the rise was new metal, <laughs> and they did a new metal song called Honk If You Love Fred Durst, which was about, well, yeah, uh, Tism are very dear to my heart because they're basically one of those groups that are way, way smarter than they project themselves as being. And now it's time for Retro Game News. All the news of print for the month ending April 2013. Right, you might Good for roads, good for your lungs. Breathe in tough, daily. Okay, we're going to do a whole month block again, because 2013 had a lot of stuff. All right, first things first, we have a very low-tech indie game. This game has the year 2013 in its title. This game is popular for Let's Players. It's one of the simulators that goes to 2013. This game is renowned for being copied heavily and using assets from the Unity Store. Not Unity Store. So it's not Go Simulator, it's some other kind of simulator in 2013. Yeah. Train. Surgeon Simulator? Trucks. Surgeon Simulator 2013. Ah, That's damn. the one. Alright then. That's what I was thinking. I was looking at it around my Steam library, but I forgot they took out the year for the ah. ah. Alright then. We have another indie game. An indie game with a very distinctive two-dimensional art style. It's a survival game. Terraria? Lone Survivor? No and no. It is a procedurally generated survival game. Terraria? Don't starve. <laughs> Don't starve. There we go. Jet Grind got it. Don't stop. Oh, uh, it's got a really distinctive two-dimensional art style. <laughs> think, think of it as like sur- it's procedurally generated. Yes. Uh, crafting survival oh, geez, game done by crafting survival horror done by Tim Burton. Oh, yeah. It's a uh, crafting with paper survival cut-ups. game with zombies, and it was kickstarted. Uh. Um, Are you guys trying to make me like it or not? I can't really tell. <laughs> Lucy Morris really likes it. Okay. <laughs> Shameless. Oh, Everyone right. likes no, Lucy I just, Morris. I, I tend to agree with our own games. What? Okay. Uh, so in 2013... I have a crush. <laughs> so in 2013, this is a franchise expansion pack. Oh, since No. It made the world a little more gay. Miss of Pandaria? Uh, no. Uh, no, no, it's a Star Wars. It is for an MMO. the planet of the gay people. <laughs> Can you give me the name of the thing with the planet no. of the gay people? Star Wars The Old Republic, <laughs> The Planet of the Gay People is my favorite title for <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that uh I, I think we're on this one. I don't think we're gonna actually guess the name. It's I the, don't the know Rise the of the Hut Cartels. Uh, no, no, it's the planet of the gay people. It's the planet of the gay people now. I'm gonna that's, have to... that's literally the only way I've ever heard it described to me. I don't think I've ever heard the name. Yeah, I, I think we're going to... Yeah. Uh, if for anyone out there who enjoys their copy of Star Wars The Old Republic, The Planet of the Gay People, please let us know. <laughs> so you could be the listener. Yeah, you, yeah. We, we do love you, listener. At the end of the at the end of the the the, the, the year, we're going to have just a rundown of all the traits we have ascribed to the listener. <laughs> 
Well, the listener is a dashing, attractive, and very cool person. Who's apparently named Deborah and may or may not be American. Also named Sally. Well, half of... So we've decided the listener is a girl or a very interesting bloke. <laughs> or something in be- or somewhere in between. Or an indie. And I think Stan yeah, is different? a very interesting listener after being here for an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I think we should give more time to the listener Beatrice. <laughs> All right, then. What do you think about that, listener? All right. We have ourselves another JRPG. It's a... It is not a re-release. It was the source of a very contentious public news story. Is it a franchise? No. Is it Senran Cargo? No. No. Uh, It has a cover with a deliberately washed-out pastel aesthetic. No. Child of Light? The the original cover, or did it make it to uh, Western audiences with that cover? It made it to a lot of Western audiences with that cover, but not all of Western audiences. Okay. There was a writing campaign. Oh, uh, Pandora's Tower? Pandora's Tower! I don't think that's got pastel cover. I think it's mostly just, like, brown bone off-white kind of cream. Uh, Fair enough, fair enough. But yes, Pandora's Tower, which as we know, was originally not going to be released in America because, I don't know, Nintendo doesn't like money. <laughs> Nintendo doesn't like America. Uh, the, the worst thing to do with all of that was learning that people were tracking the shipping of the boxes of games. And that there was at one point a plane loaded with copies of all the Project Rainfall games, all in English, all destined to go to England that had flown from Japan, touched down in California, flew across to uh, the other side of America, and then took off from there for England. Which means they touched down twice... And then like, I don't know. I still find the whole Project Rainfall thing slightly amusing because it's like a, you know, it's it's just a little bit satisfying after all the years where we didn't get games or they got released years later and nobody gave a shit because we were just Australia. It's just a little bit of me that's like, yeah, I got my new 3ds in December. Screw you all. <laughs> that said. That's all for this week's episode of the Downloadable Concept Podcast. Until next week, that's been Fox. That's been Tom. And that's been Jen. And special thanks to our guest, Jet Grind. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Jet Grind. Thank you, Jet Grind. Is there anything you'd like to say or plug before we sign off? Okay, so this is going to come out of left field, but Dragon Force has a cover of Ring of Fire that's real good. You should go listen to it. That's oh. my final thing. Awesome! Oh, I'll do that as soon as this is over. Yeah, yeah I'm all about I'm that. I'm pretty sure, sir, I've plugged that on my Twitter multiple times, and nobody ever believes me that Dragon Force could make a good cover of Johnny Cash. By the way, follow me on the tweeters at JetGrindFuture. Righty-o. You heard him, listener. Unless you're Deborah. <laughs> Don't follow me, Deborah. Stop stealing my french fries. Damn it. <laughs> Stay tuned next week when we examine the dark, seedy underbelly of Steam sales. Who really saves, the consumer or Jesus?
this reminds me of watching a Daniel Dennett talk where he referred to how in his type of philosophy, they have to talk about things that we don't have terms for a lot. And so the shorthand he used for the type of thing he was discussing was a Henny Denny Semi concept. Fuck off. 